everybody. This is Alina and Allie with the Realware Think Tank podcast. We post videos about business and tech news every Friday. Um, today, we're going to be talking about what to do when you have an idea and how to take it into a business. You can find us on LinkedIn at Ali Debachi at LinkedIn Realware LLC. You can also find us on Twitter at Ali Debachi, YouTube at Realware LLC, Facebook at Realware US, our website realware.com. And if you guys have any questions, you can email us at realwarethinktank at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you have some topics you want us to talk about, definitely let us know there. So let's get into the discussion today. Allie, how are you? I'm good, Alina. Thanks. Awesome. So I'm really interested in the topic today because as an entrepreneur myself, I'm super interested in how you take an idea, a thought, and create it into a successful endeavor. So I guess my first question is, how do you know an idea should become a business, should become a startup? That, you know, so there's a lot of ways to figure that out. I think the most mm-hmm. important thing to understand is, um, you know, first, I think you have an idea and you've decided that you, you want to try to pursue that idea as a business uh, of some sort. And I say that because you have to decide first, what type of business do you really want? Are you building a lifestyle business, meaning you want to be able to balance your your work life and be able to do all the things that you you may want to do outside of work? And so you're really pursuing this idea to get the freedom to do the other things. So that's a work life, that's a lifestyle business. Or are you trying to build it to eventually exit or to eventually raise money and grow beyond, you know, the the smaller sort of Main Street business type? Once you decide that, uh, and you may not decide that right away, you may, you know, start with one idea and then decide to go in another direction, which is totally fine. The only reason I say to kind of get get that is to scope the amount of effort you're going to need to put into it. The first thing I would do is start talking about it. I think it's a fallacy that everybody says, you know, or there's this, maybe it's nobody's saying it, but it's more of a general mentality of keep it secret, keep it secret, keep it secret. Let me tell you something. There are no original ideas left, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a desire to push forward. It's a desire to change or disrupt something marginally or iteratively. So don't worry. Everyone's busy. Everyone has their own ideas. So I would start sharing your thoughts. You may not want to share all the details, but you want to share your general concepts uh, and get some feedback because the most important thing is to get some feedback. Start with family mm-hmm. members, start with friends and start talking to people who might be less vested in giving you a rosy positive answer. Mm -hmm. I think part of the rapid process that we really focus on is asking hard questions. So, you know, really try to ask the hard questions of yourself at have people ask you questions and be open to those questions. Don't get defensive. Um, It's really easy to get so vested in an idea that you can't hear the questions, right? You just kind of take them as negative all the time. And that's not, you know, most people are not out there to get you. Uh, You know, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my experience in 30 years of building businesses, most people are asking honest questions because either they don't understand, understand what you're trying to do. They don't see the benefits. So they're trying to figure out what is it that's different about what you're trying to do. So it's really important to be, be open enough to get that feedback so that you walk away from that experience, which could be, you know, a couple of weeks of research or a couple of months of research and you get a feeling of, yep, okay, I've, I've met all the hurdles. People have, you know, been open and honest. And I still think that mm-hmm. this is something I want to pursue. 
The next thing would be don't get caught up in the big, the big dream, right? Focus on the dream, focus on where you want to go on, but don't let the dream consume all of your activities. Meaning uh, we've, I've done a lot of consulting for businesses that have a great idea. They're just getting started. They're either pre-revenue or just getting their first customers. And they're starting to think about big technology platforms and all this huge stuff. And it starts to cloud and create friction where you just don't need it. You know, in the mm-hmm. beginning of a business, do the things yourself, right? You know, even if it's pick, pack and ship, right? Do it out of your garage, do it out of a storage facility, do it in the back of your car. Don't get caught up on, I got to have a shipping platform and I have to have this and I have to have this platform and that platform and waste of time. It's going to just distract you. You know, if you're shipping 10 or hundred orders a month or even 500 orders a month, just break that down by day. You know, you're only talking about you know, 20 orders a day, it's not a lot. And it's not something that's going to be that onerous that you still can't do it yourself without getting bogged down. Because what happens Mm -hmm. is when you get, this happens all the time, by the way, especially with new entrepreneurs, they get bogged down on the technology, they get bogged down on all these things, and then they start using them as a reason why they can't do the other things. And you don't want that. You don't want any of that negative vibe. You just focus on starting that store or starting that entity, whatever it might be, and executing against your model, talking to people, selling, marketing, selling, marketing, fulfilling, selling, marketing, fulfilling. You notice how I didn't say anything about technology, right? I mean, the, the, the most important things you can do in the beginning is selling and marketing, right? Getting, your, getting the word out, getting those first few customers that could be favored, right? They know you, they trust mm-hmm. you, their family and friends. They'll give you honest feedback. Hey, the thing didn't work as well as we thought, or the experience wasn't as great as we thought. You know, we, we really, you know, you, the way you described it, wasn't what came through or, or maybe it was great. And then, you know, you're, you know, you don't have to do much more that you just have to keep doing the same and talk to more people. The first things I would, so, so before all of that, and this is sort of a tactical thing, just make sure you create an entity, no matter how small you think the business is, it costs next to nothing to set up an LLC, talk to a lawyer, go online, get, get yourself in an LLC. Don't do it as a sole proprietor because all it takes is one person mm-hmm. to decide that they're unhappy and take you to small claims court or do some other thing that can kind of derail everything if you don't have some protection, some liability protection. So mm-hmm. highly, highly, highly recommend set up an LLC. Do not operate as a sole proprietor. I, I don't know how much it costs, but it's less than a thousand dollars. It's about 300, 380. Okay. Yeah. So super small amount and you can always change the, like, it doesn't have to be just that business, right? You can Mm -hmm. run multiple businesses out of it. So Mm -hmm. if you start to change your idea, that LLC can still be the thing that you use. Mm -hmm. So it's not a waste unless you decide, you know, at some point to completely stop doing it, then it's still not a waste because you've got that. Just think about it as a little bit of an insurance policy to keep, Mm -hmm. you know, keep those issues from attacking your personal things. Now I'm not giving any legal advice, of course. So go talk to a lawyer, but Mm -hmm. I would, I would recommend that, you know, step one, go get an LLC. Step two, well, step one, after you've decided, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. I've talked to some people. I think it's a good idea. I'm going to pursue it part-time or not go get an LLC. Takes no time to do it. Like Mm -hmm. you said, it's 300 or whatever dollars just to go do it. Now you're, now you're actually doing stuff. That's how you start. Like that is literally the step zero to the, to the middle to step one, right? You just get the idea. You have your idea. You validated your idea with some people. You've got your LLC. You're starting to talk to people and trying to sell at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're, maybe it's an online business. Maybe it's not like it. Remember it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't need a website. You don't have to have a website. Uh, it's kind of expected these days. So you might get bogged down in domain names and all these other things, but you know, if you're going to stay hyper local and, and you're going to stay personally 
focused and you're going to do more of a lifestyle thing, you may not even need a big fancy website, right? Just, just go figure it out, right? Uh, you could just get on Wix or, you know, whatever, Square or whatever, just put up something so that you have a placeholder uh, and some an email. What I would definitely say is get an email. The next little piece of, uh, and I know I'm going on and on, but I'm just thinking of these things as I go through it. Don't give mm-hmm. out your personal cell phone number. number. That's another one. It's another sort of security slash protective measure. Uh, Google Voice is free. There are a lot of voice services mm-hmm. that'll forward right to your phone. There's a, you don't you don't have to use Google Voice. It's just free, so you can get started with it pretty easily. Um, and it separates, so you're giving out a phone number that isn't tied directly to your personal information. And uh, I would recommend that. So the LLC is one protective measure. Don't give out your personal phone number. Please don't give out your personal email. It's really inexpensive to get a free domain-based email. So by k- building this sort of layer between your personal life and your work life. It also allows mm-hmm. you to maintain that work-life balance outside as you continue to, to move forward. So that would be the start. So now you've started, you're starting to do things. You're got some customers, hopefully people are paying you for something that whatever it is you decided you're doing. And the next step would be to start to analyze that and try to decide, okay, where do we go next? What are we doing now? You know, how do we get more? Like, how do we grow outside of this you know, mm-hmm. these friendly, uh, transactions. Yeah. Okay. So when you're making that, that leap to growth, do you recommend looking for funds, looking for investors? No, no? I mean, <laughs> again, if it's a lifestyle business, mm-hmm. I don't really, unless, unless you have a high capital requirement, like there's a manufacturing requirement or there's mm-hmm. some tooling requirements or, you know, you're trying to get into a retail space as well, like, you know, some, some more traditional bricks and mortar efforts. The, the most expensive money you will get other than from friends and family, and even maybe from friends and family will be the money you take in the beginning. Cause you'll have to, cause you have the, the risk of course, mm-hmm. in a business typically diminishes over time as you generate more revenue and you prove out your model and you're showing that you can run a business and you're, you, you, you got, you got it under control. That's those are the things that are going to diminish that risk factor for an investor and allow you to retain more of your your financial control. Now, you have to decide how much of that risk you want to take on yourself as well. So there's that. So if you bring in an investor, they can take on some of the financial risk, but you're going to give up. Like the the risk, whoever takes on the risk is going to take you know the equity and take control, mm-hmm. uh, take some con- some some control. You know the idea of a light. So the so if you're trying to build a lifestyle business. You're trying to work for yourself so you can set your own schedule and you can do what you want. You're not beholden to anybody. As soon as you take money from someone, guess what? You're beholden to someone, whether they have voting, yeah. you know, whatever voting, even if they only have like 5%, they're still going to give you their opinion. I'm sorry, they're going to. So whether, so if that's, you know, be a deal breaker for you, then, you know, I think you're in the bootstrapping space. Mm-hmm. There are other options. You know, you've got the small business administration, you have personal loans, which I don't recommend, right? I mean, you have the SBA is pretty good and there are special programs for special groups um, available. So take a look at that. But again, as soon as you take that, your mentality shifts now. You're no longer just working for yourself. Now you have a loan payment. Now you have all this extra stress while you're still trying to figure things out. I would say you wait, right? I mean, I think that until you really have it nailed and you're co- very confident that you've got a system and a process and a product or a service that is repeatable and scalable to a point. In other words, what I mean is, again, if it's lifestyle, you're the only, you may be you and a couple of employees or it might just be you. So 
how, how much revenue can you really generate from that? Right. You have to figure that out. Like if you're, if it's an hourly based business, Hey, you can only book a certain number of hours a year. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you really want to, you know, if you're already, let's say 50% or 60% booked based on what's going on, do you really want to go out there and race? So you have to, it's a, now it becomes an unemotional decision. What am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to do? How much do I really want to, uh, how much more stress do I want to create? Now, if you're trying to build a business uh, beyond yourself um, into something much bigger, then by all means, you know, you have to, you know, just start, you start looking into those things for sure, because there, there's a, there's a metaphor I like to use, which is if you're trying to build a big business, you have a couple of choices. You know, if you're very stingy with your capital structure, then, you know, there's this, you, you can either have a whole grape or part of a watermelon, right? That, that's a saying I use that everybody tends to get, right? And most people who are trying to build a big business, they really understand, hey, I don't want the whole grape. I want a piece of a watermelon. So that's when you start to look at, okay, I need to bring in some investors or I need, let me go get some third parties to get, maybe there's a strategic investor. Maybe there's a actual traditional investor, angel investor, early stage investors. All of that still requires you to have your product process people, et cetera, locked down. You really have to, mm-hmm. when you're going to an investor, they're judging you, not your product, because they want to understand that the person they're investing in can execute the plan that's being mm-hmm. put in front of them. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, very important for you to know what you're doing before you're going to ask people for funds in anything. So that brings me to my next question. You're talking a lot about decision-making and when you're trying to create a business, obviously there are a lot of decisions that you have to make and some faster than others. So do you have any tips on how to make decisions and be more confident in those decisions? Yeah, we actually have an entire framework around decision making. Mm-hmm. We call it the rapid methodology and it really is focused on the D and rapid means decision. So everything you do up to that is in making decisions and decisions are part and parcel of running a business, um, mm-hmm. starting a business. Uh, I think the key skill set for a, an entrepreneur is uh, problem management. Um, And I say it that way specifically because you're going to have initially what feel like small problems, big problems, but if you look at every problem as as a as as a composition of problems, meaning you can break it down, then making decisions mm-hmm. becomes much easier because a decision. Let's say you have a big problem, you think it's a big problem, uh, and you break it down into five smaller problems. Well, making those five decisions will be much easier for you than making the one big decision because you won't mm-hmm. think even though you're moving things forward, every decision you make that gives you positive momentum will make the next decision easier. So mm-hmm. that's the decision banking process. So break your problems down into smaller structures so that you can easily adjust to them and to the decision-making required for them. Second is data, 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 right? Don't make any decisions off emotion, right? So if you're stressing out or if you're, you know, you're getting a reaction uh, of any sort, step away from it, right? Maybe, you know, what I tend to recommend is write stuff down initially, like write down what your decision would be now. And then come come back to it tomorrow or come back to it in a few hours and then break it down a little bit further. Because any I, I guarantee you that any decision you make that has an emotional component to it will be wrong, period, in business, in business, right? And I think that's why we have the rapid mental framework where we talk about, you know, research, analysis, planning, implementation, and then decision. Because that, when you get through those phases and you get to a decision, there's no way that you can emotion can be engaged anymore. You've basically distilled the emotion out of the process because you've gone through and you've done all these you know, very specific phases, right? Very rarely do you have to make a rapid decision. It's very rare. I mean, you might be in the front of a client who's upset, not happy, and you might need to make a decision there. I would still, if you can, 
even in those situations, you know, I advise that you tell a client, you hear them, you understand that their issue is, and that you're, you just need to get back to them and just give them a time frame. Say, I can get back to you in a couple of hours. I just need to review blah, blah, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Very few people will push back on that because you've given them an answer. Yes. I'll get you a decision. And you've given them a time frame that they can count on and just don't miss the time frame. Like, don't come back yeah. to them. And if you said two hours or a day and say, oh, well, I still need more time. You need to get back to them on that frame. But that's it. I mean, I think decisions shouldn't be fear inducing, right? The problem might be. But again, in rapid, we talk about fear. We talk about doubt as a data point as well. So if you're even as you're starting your business, you might have doubts. Your, your, your own internal thought process might be telling you, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to give up this job and all these other reasons. And, and you need to answer those questions. Don't ignore them right? Don't let them take control. Just answer them. Like, so all those doubts, you're, you're, you know, humans were built to survive. So that's a natural part of the process. I, I, anybody who says that as they were trying new things, as they were growing a business, as they were taking risks, they were not afraid. They're full of it. Don't believe it. They're completely <laughs> full of it. I've started several businesses. I've consulted for a lot of very sticky situations. And I, you know, it's, there's always some trepidation and some fear that goes into, those, those, those initial, you know, my initial reactions sometimes, like one of the things I do a lot with turnarounds is I walk into some pretty scary situations from a business perspective, a lot of emotion and a lot of swirling things. And I have to stay calm. I have to keep telling myself, just, you know, be calm. Don't worry. Don't get sucked into that. And that helps myself and the person I might be talking to or the people just to calm down because they see that there's, it's not really that bad, right? It's a, it's just a matter of breaking it down and making those little decisions that eventually get you to the place you want to go. I know that's a lot roundabout way to answer your question, but I think, <laughs> you, you know, to sum it up, take the big problems or big decisions, mm -hmm. break them into smaller ones. The small ones, they should be fine. You should be able to make them. Don't let doubt and fears, you know, stop you. Let them be indicators of things you need to answer. And then ultimately make the decision because, you know, it's a trap, right? If you're not making a decision, you made a decision to not make a decision. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I hate to be the guy that keeps saying yeah. the, like these kind of things, but you know, decision making is is really why entrepreneurs succeed. Problem management, problem solving, and decision making—that's the keys to a successful entrepreneur. Definitely, it's the execution. You can have all the ideas you want, but if you're not executing them, <laughs> then they're just in your head forever. That's Definitely right. makes sense. So. I heard you talking a lot about decision-making being about the data. So does that mean that you're against gut decisions when it comes to business? No, no. I think you okay. make those decisions because you're, they're a product of your data gathering, right? So you might okay. still have a gut decision. I, I think that there's no, it, it's like this old saying, right? Um, you know, she became an overnight success. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it took her 10 years to get there, right? Yeah. So you know, I think it's the same thing with our decision-making as we have more experience, as we understand the business more, you're not really making a gut decision. You're just trusting that you already have the information you need to make that decision. So okay. again, it's, it's don't let those stop you. Like if you get, if your gut initial re gut reaction, as they say, or, you know, I like to call it my spidey sense, right. <laughs> Being a, <laughs> a cartoon person still scrutinize it, right? Like the, if the initial mm -hmm. reaction is, Hey, I want to do X. And then you quickly go through the neg positives, negatives in your head, and that's good, then go. Like, there's no reason to belabor every single decision. Mm -hmm. But don't trust, like, uh, I don't want to say don't trust, but I would say a gut decision or an intuition, intuitive decision, right? 
which is probably a better way to say it, should mm-hmm. be scrutinized more based on the risk it produces, right? Okay. So if you're having a gut decision about, let's say, a quarter million dollar investment, you're probably going to want to think about that a little bit. If you're having a <laughs> gut decision about, you know, a $2,000 investment, depends on, you know, it's, it's, all about, it's all about scale of impact, right? I mean, I've made, I, I will say that there are gut decisions that I've made that have pretty big impacts. But again, I just, I felt comfortable enough that I understood all the risks and the risks were, it was, it was more important to move quickly and the, and the risk didn't diminish or increase based on the quickness of movement. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. Right. Yeah, so, makes sense. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you got to take all these things into account. Like I said, entrepreneurs are all about problem definition, problem solving, and making decisions. So if your gut is telling you go, define the problem, define the solution you want, and then make the decision. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So my next question is based on mentorships and just your opinion on having a mentor when you're coming up in a business, if it's important, if you think that someone should go out of their way to find a mentor and how to find a mentor. Number one, I think it's totally important to always have a coach or a mentor. I still have a coach and a mentor. Matter of fact, the gentleman I have is who I consider my closest friend is also my coach for 25 years. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he has had an immense impact on the way I think about things and, the, and my approaches. And, you know, when I get into a situation that uh, I need an open and honest opinion and I don't want just yes or no, I just want to you know, have a discussion he's always the guy I turn to for that and, and has been for 25 years. So, you know, here's, here's someone in myself that has been a successful entrepreneur, you know, so, so you always need a coach and the reason, and, and what you should be looking for in a coach or a mentor, whatever term you want to use mm-hmm. is they have no vested interest in the situation. Their entire mm-hmm. goal is to see you succeed, right. Is to guide you. That's hard to find. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, you have paid coaches, you have, you know, all this, this whole industry now has grown up around paid coaches, paid mentors, paid this, paid that. And, and unfortunately, that's where you might have to start, right? You may, it might make sense. Like if you're, let, let's say, for example, you're an expert in something, but not business. So I did initially what I did is I just took some night classes in accounting and finance and law. And that's how I got my knowledge because I was too young and stupid to realize I needed a coach, right? I was 18, 19 (laughs) years old. I thought I knew everything and I like to do everything myself, whatever, right? I learned my lessons. Mm -hmm. I learned enough to get the first business off the ground, right? I learned enough about those topics from a traditional, you know, education, going to night school, et cetera. So that's an Mm -hmm. option. So if your preference is, Hey, I, I want to understand these things. I, w- I would highly recommend that anyone who want, who's an expert in some field and now they want to run a business. And to me, it means not a hobby. It means making money, you know, not just surviving, building something where you have, you know, you're valuing your time at the appropriate rates or your, or your expertise product, and you're generating enough revenue to support, to support you and whatever else you might be doing. Right. It's not just about mm-hmm. surviving. It's about making something that's sustainable and viable. Take an accounting class. Go on. I mean, with me, I had to go to night classes. That's how, you know, it was pre-internet, really. Mm-hmm. Go online. There's so many resources, right? There's schools that offer classes online. You can go through a whole accounting class in eight to 10 weeks now online. You could take a business law class. I would say you want to take a basic accounting class, a basic business law class, and probably a marketing, sales and marketing, or digital sales and marketing, mm-hmm. depending on what you're doing. You could do all three of those at night while you're working your day job. Right. And in mm-hmm. 10, 12 weeks, depending on how long it takes, you've got a lot more information. You're not an expert, but at least you understand what is a PL, 
What is a balance sheet? What is an asset? What is an LLC? Why did I get this LLC? You'll have the basic knowledge to be more comfortable in the decisions you're making. Again, it's about data, right? Mm -hmm. The coach or mentor, it would be good if that person has additive skills, accretive skills to you, right? Meaning, let's say you're an expert in carpentry and you want to start your own carpentry business. You don't need another carpenter, right? What you need Mm -hmm. is someone who can help you with marketing or give you advice around business or those kinds of things, right? So try to find that person. And frankly, try to, you know, if you have someone in your circle, you know, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a peer, maybe it's an ex, you know, an ex-teammate that you value their opinion. That's also okay. They don't have to be a formal coach. That That's the mm-hmm. other thing, right? It just has to be someone you trust that you know is going to be looking out for you. And that can be the one who will say, are you crazy? Why are you doing that? <laughs> that's, if they're yeah. not going to ask that question, right? If they're not going to challenge you on anything you bring to them, then they're not really helping you grow. So yes, definitely find a coach. Yes, definitely hold on to them for as long as possible. Involve them as much as possible. Now, I will say that in my career, I've had other folks that I do consider coaches or mentors, but not not actively. Like, you know, if, if there's a particular topic, I'll reach out to them. And I'm, I act that way as well for a lot of these same folks. Like they'll call me when they want to bounce ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're not formally coaching each other. We're not formally mentoring each other, but we're there for each other. Like there's, we've built this sort of network ecosystem that mm-hmm. when someone, when one of them needs calls me, I answer the phone and we could spend three hours on the phone going through whatever it is and vice versa, right? If I needed to kind of pick on a specific topic or drive, so that is good. That is really important to build that knowledge mm-hmm. network. Right. They may not. And and maybe they'll help you sell, maybe not. But ultimately, they will definitely help you have another point of view, which is so, so, so important. And sometimes they'll hold you up Mm -hmm. and you'll be like super you'll run. You'll have a run of bad days and they'll be the one that'll sort of hold you back up and push you forward and say, don't worry, it's all going to get better. You know, in that, you know, nobody does this by themselves. Right. Um, So having Mm -hmm. that person, whoever that is, that can give you that honest feedback is, is super important when you're out there basically on your own. Think about it. You're starting something new. You don't Mm -hmm. have anyone to lean on. You're out there on your own. You know, it's good to have that, have that there. I didn't answer your question on how to find it. I gave you some ideas how to look for (laughs) it. You did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, you could start with a paid mentor. You could try local universities. A lot of them have mentorship Mm -hmm. programs. You could try the SBA. The SBA has some great programs for people starting out and they're free, right? They're local business user owners Mm -hmm. that have you know, they want to give back their time. We, I do a lot with a group called e for all which is helping, you know, uh, less advantaged people um, with entrepreneurship. So there's lots of, there's lots of options that you can, if you just, mm-hmm. again, solve the problem, get online, look for, you know, business startup programs, look for, look for yeah. uh, meetups, you know, other entrepreneurs that are starting up in your area. Mm-hmm. Like these are all options to get more ideas and to, and to be able to bounce things off people that, don't have a dog in the fight, as they say, right? They're not there to, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a zero sum game for them. Your success is not their failure. And you just have to be really like, be super careful that the, that the person or people that you in, let into your inner circle, they are truly there for, uh, for you. And then you be there for them mm-hmm. as well. Cause you never know when you might be able to return the favor. Yeah. That's a great advice to find a network of people that can help you guys all help each other. It's a very successful ecosystem to help 
just have everyone working together. That's some really great advice. And there are a bunch of places, like you mentioned, where you can find mentors or work with people who have other specialties that you might not Mm -hmm. have. And even if they're starting out, they can still help you and you can still help them in that way. So that's absolutely. And I would say before we leave this topic, Alina laid out a whole bunch of ways to get in touch with us. You know, we do a lot of coaching and mentoring. We do a lot of assistance of startups. Feel free to reach out uh, and ask, you know, if you just want to ask some questions and you just want to get some feedback, we're open to that. And uh, we're also open to helping more actively if, uh, if, if that's, you know, what you need this is what we do. I mean, at the end of the day, and uh, you know, I love helping people and I love seeing entrepreneurs succeed. So mm-hmm. don't hesitate to get in touch. Great. That's awesome. Thanks, Allie. So my closing question is how do you know when an idea has failed or when it is time to move on from an idea? When do you know? Is there like red flags that you can <laughs> point out? Is it different? with every subject. Yeah. So how do you know your idea is not working? <laughs> I think the number one is you're not making any money. You have to be. Yeah. I think one of the things that, uh, uh, not, I think the, the thing that I see a lot of is entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs, again, maybe they were professional in something or subject matter experts in something, or, you know, you don't value your time properly because you think of it as mm-hmm. zero. It's my time. I'm not paying anybody for it. That is the wrong attitude completely. Mm-hmm. If you would, let's say, make $100,000 a year doing what you do for someone else, then you need to set a rate for yourself of, let's say, $50 an hour, right? As a starting point, because as you become more experienced, as you start doing more things for, more, for, more, for a more diverse client base or customer base, as you start selling more product and your time becomes different. So let's take this as a professional. You need to value your time. If you're not generating that hourly rate, then you need to start to consider the economic, the opportunity cost of your time is critical, right? So if you're generating, if you mm-hmm. if you say your time is worth $50 an hour and after six months or nine months or a year or a year and a half, you're only generating $25 an hour or $10 an hour or whatever it is because you're giving the time away, um, you really need to start to think about, you know, am I messaging this correctly? Am I focusing on the right people? You know, is this worth continuing to do this? Should I make this a side hustle again? And just because I like doing it and just do some side work and you got to You've got to be the self-awareness has to be there. You have to look in the mirror and decide, mm-hmm. you know, is it worth it? Now you should have a, the one thing I didn't say is uh, before you launch your business, you should have, uh, I want to say 12 months of expenses banked. You want to give yourself enough time to succeed. Uh, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. they start something. They only have a month or two months or three months. And right away, the stress starts kicking in. They don't have, they can't, they can't pay the bills. They start using credit cards. Please don't do that. You know, it, if you start your business now, or you started a year from now, I highly, I highly doubt it's going to have a material impact, right? Take the time, save the money. It also builds discipline that you're actually taking the time to focus on this and you really want it. You're not dipping back into it for your weekend splurge or whatever it is you're building you're building that mm-hmm. basis to, to, to go forward. But anyway, as you get close to that end of those, whatever you have, 12 months, 18 months, six months, whatever that it is, uh, you have to start to evaluate, am I, am I using my time wisely? Because even if it's a product business, by the way, uh, and you're selling widgets and the margin on the widgets is not generating enough revenue to pay you a salary that a CEO of a small startup would be getting, 
uh, or a founder, you have to, you know, maybe you start that as, hey, in order for us to survive, me, myself, or me and my family, I need to generate X amount of dollars a month by the sixth month, let's say, whatever that, because we have 12 months of runway. So you set that value, set that point and say, whatever, let's say it's just for easy math, it's $1,000 a month. At six months, if you're not generating enough profit from all your activities to pay yourself, you need to start looking at either your pricing, your marketing. You got to start to use some metrics inside that are realistic, right? You just can't mm -hmm. keep going at a loss. Eventually, you're going to hit that 12-month mark, and then the stress is real. And then you're going to get yourself in a bad situation. And so I really, really stress mm -hmm. that set your benchmarks, pay yourself, understand the costs required to live, because that is the most important thing, enjoying life, right? Work is work. You know, you have to enjoy life. And uh, there is a balance. By the way, I, I don't I don't subscribe to the you know, work all the time, work as much as you can. Uh, don't enjoy what living because time passes. You can't make more time. You can always make more money, uh, whatever. You can always make more of that. Mm -hmm. So basically pivot, pivot, which I really don't like the term, but whether you choose to move forward with your business or not, set the guidelines up front. Okay. I have 12 months of, I have 12 months at month six, I should be, be able to support myself and my family or myself, right? Whatever that is. And if it's six months, I can't, then going into that, you'll know, by the way, month three, month four, month five, you'll see, hey, we're not going to hit that. What do we need to do? Do we need to change our product mix? Do we, you know, so that mm -hmm. is those decisions you need to start making before you kind of hit the wall. And then as you start to continue to burn out your savings, you got to figure out what to do. Because why, if you're not going to change what you're doing at month six, why do you think you're going to generate? It's not magic. There is no magic. There is no silver bullet. It's not one night you're not going to wake up and have 10 times as many orders. It's just not going to happen if you're not putting the effort in. So maybe mm -hmm. you need to put more effort in. Maybe you need to change where you're spending your time. But that's where you have to kind of start to be super self-aware and say, you know what? This is just too much for me. I learned a lot, by the way. Don't forget, whether you succeed or not, whether whatever your success metric is, when you hit those boundaries, when you hit those milestones or those checkpoints, you will have learned a lot, by the way, right? About yourself, about your idea, about what you're willing to do. You will have learned a lot. So there is no mm -hmm. loss in my mind in taking that shot where the loss occurs is when you don't change what you're doing and you just let it burn out. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. So, so be ready to make those decisions. That's the hard decision you talked about, right, Alina? So if you're at month mm -hmm. three and you have a month six goal and you're not even halfway there, you need to start thinking about, okay, how do we get there? What do I got to do different? Is it spend more time on X, spend more time on Y, spend more, less time on mm -hmm. Z? whatever it is. Okay. That, so those are the, that's how you decide that it's no longer viable. And it's much more difficult if you have investors and because you might be able to go raise some more money, but they're still going to mm -hmm. come back to you and say, what were the benchmarks? What were the key? Well, you know, how did you get there? Why didn't you get there? What are you going to do differently now? They're going to ask you the same exact questions. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. Are you meeting your goals personally and, and professionally? If not, do you think you can, if you make some changes, great, keep going make that next decision. And then you may just have to change focus. And I, I, that's why I say, I don't say it's failure, right? You're just changing focus mm -hmm. in my mind. Even if you choose not to continue, you're making a positive decision for yourself to use your time, your opportunity costs and all more effectively for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's a successful outcome because you made the right decision to move on to something else. I know many people will not tell you that, but in my mind, if you then go back and you look back at the learning and you look back at everything, every time you made a new decision to go in another direction, as long as you gave it everything, then you should be learning something from that. And then the next time you go, to, I, I highly 
I implore you to not give up on entrepreneurship because if you had that spark and you had that desire, could have just been the wrong time, could have just been the wrong general circumstances, may not be the same exact idea as you grow and you do other things. So don't, don't mm-hmm. automatically, you know, assume, Hey, I'm just not an entrepreneur. I'm not cut out for it because frankly, the fact that you made the right decisions and did the right thing for yourself and what you wanted to do, I, I would posit you do have the mental strength to be an entrepreneur. You just didn't pick the right product or you didn't do your research deep enough or, you know, there's lots mm-hmm. of external factors that can cause a business to fail. That's why so few of them are, are very successful. So keep at it, but uh, uh, maybe change your focus. Awesome. That's a great way to word it is that you, it's not a failure. You've learned from all of your decisions and all the problems that came your way and how you handled them and how to handle them in the future. If it didn't work out, that's all I have for this podcast today. Do you have anything else you want to mention before we hop off? Uh, No, nothing right now. I think uh, it was a good discussion. Thank you. Awesome. So Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Again, you can find us on LinkedIn at Ali Debachi and at Realware LLC, Twitter at Ali Debachi, YouTube at Realware LLC, and Facebook at Realware US. You can also check out our website at realware.com. And if you small businesses out there, startups, people who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, if you have any questions or topics that you want us to touch on, please email us at realwarethinktank.com at gmail.com. Um, And we'd love to answer those questions for you and help you in any way that we can. Thanks so much, Dali. Thanks, Alina. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.